Hello everybody. This is the audio dramatization of a book I'm starting to write about my family and actual events that happened during my life, but I throw in a fantasy that mixed with magic and demons and sorcery of all types. The stuff I've studied and learned about throughout my years to become a parapsychologist and a demonologist and occultist. So, as I was saying, I'm going to start my story. The year is 1928. My great-grandfather, Irvin Bo Harper, lived in Kentucky. He was a young boy. He used to talk about how there was no electricity and it was so cold sometimes in the winter you, see, you could literally think that your toes would fall off. See, he lived up in a place called Colesburg, Kentucky or Elizabethtown. It's part of Elizabethtown. They called it Bloody Holler. One of the reasons for the name was due to the moonshiners, which was what my great-grandfather was and my grandpa's father his name was Rufus they said he was one of the most violent men when it came to times being violent my great-grandfather said he killed nine men in his life one he completely decapitated with a hatchet but back to my grandfather my grandfather was the the only boy out of six children and one of the youngest he had all all his sisters Alberta and uh, was his closest one he was had a relationship with or the closest of age but my great-grandfather was abusive at times to my grandpa when he wouldn't follow rules or wouldn't help him or just you know just anything Cause my grandfather was abusive to me as well growing up but it made it strong. But that's the story. One day, my grandfather, he he told me the story of when he was about eight years old. One of the neighbor ladies who lived ways down came up to his house covered in blood, screaming and begging for help. Well, his mother, my great-grandmother, Viola, she came rushing out, and my great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. My grandpa was half Cherokee. My great-grandpa, I mean, was half Cherokee, half German. His dad coming from Germany on the boats. They come rushing out, seeing that she was in a, the lady was in a panic and stuff, and they tended to her. And I rushed over, and my mother told me to go grab some towels and rags over inside for a lady's cut. I ran and got it, came back out, and I stood there shocked at the look at the lady. And she was covered in blood. She said, Rufus, Rufus. And she said, those awesome boys from up in New Haven came down here. They, they took the, they knocked down the steel and everything. I didn't know that this lady's husband was my father's business partner. We just partnered. We just knew each other, I, you know, being a child. I didn't know. And uh, my, my my great grandfather said his my grandfather said his father just turned stone cold face, walked inside, grabbed the pistol, started loading up rifles, 
and he sped off. Yeah, he can't say what happened, but that was this was the first time my grandfather can recall astral projecting. If for those who don't know what astral projection is, astral projection is the ability to leave one's body, their soul, to leave and travel. This was due to the bloodline that my grandfather came from. My great, my grandmother's, my great grandmother's father was a, a Cherokee medicine man, a dreamwalker, which my grandfather would have inherited it had my great grandfather, great 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 grandfather, had lived to see him. But he died before the trail of tears took place, opposing the government. Well. My grandfather said he we went out to the barn scared to death of what would happen with his father. The fear that he felt and the anguish to be with his dad is what sent his loud for him to astral track. He said the first time he was walking and the next thing you know he was unconscious looking at his body from above. So he he couldn't get back in. He was freaking out. I'm sure he was, but he said it just came naturally, so he went with it, followed, got in the vehicle with his father, flying, and his dad couldn't see him, and he traveled with him, and he said he kept his dad safe. That's just the story you tell, but I know the bloodline of my great-grandfather has trickled down into my family. My father, becoming a Dutch descendant, and my grandfather's, his abilities were not as strong as some members of my family. He had a very powerful ESP, and this that was just a prologue in the backstory of my grandfather. In his bloodline, he had many adventures, many, many adventures throughout his life. Some I will mention in here, I'll go back and forth throughout the timeline to try to tell the story. It's a little hard to. This is only the prologue and the first start. I really do not know what to say. <laughs> but I hope you like my story. Hello everybody, welcome back from break. Uh, the story continues on and we're going to travel almost six to 70 to 80 years into the future. It begins with the power of magics. My day started like just like any other. I woke to the screams of my alarm. The time on my alarm clock read 4.15 a.m. For the past two years, this has been my normal. Every morning, I am reminded by the silence around me of what I once had. For the first few months after she left, I didn't know if I would be able to move forward to live a life without the love of the one woman I have ever felt love for. 
When she left and my worst nightmares became real, it was like my entire universe came to an end. I probably would have crawled into a ball and allowed myself to simply perish. Slowly had my daughter not been a part of my life. When I saw my baby girl for the first time since her mother had taken off with her in the middle of the night, tricking me, she told me that because of us been arguing, that we should go and get a bottle or some marijuana and have a celebration, me and her, and a romantic night. Well, it was the night of the blood moon. And as I was out getting this, I get a phone call from her mother saying that she was gone. It turned out they were all in on it. They tried to gaslight me, but I ain't that slow. I have when I saw my baby girl though for the first time since her mother had taken off with her and When I held my little girl in my arms after her mother had been gone with her for nine days, I hadn't got to see her. I had, could had I had no contact because her mother put an EPO out. And uh, that EPO order ruled that until we went to court, I could not have any kind of contact with her. Or I, I would automatically be charged with the EPO. So for nine days until we went to court, I couldn't talk to her or anything. I'm talking, referring to my daughter, not her mother per se. When I held her in my arms, though, it was like I was looking through my eyes for the first time. It was like everything in the world had become clear. I had one purpose. My existence was to love this little girl, this child of mine. I've never loved anything or anyone in this world in, at all in my life like I do my daughter. And I knew my purpose was to keep her safe and protected and to keep her knowing that she is loved. And I, I knew her mother would do the same for her. She wouldn't let no harm come to her. But it was my job to protect her from harm that her mother couldn't see, metaphysical supernatural paranormal because my past and my experiences I automatically assumed that the genetic anomaly that caused my abilities that was passed down on both sides of my family actually on my mother's bloodline and my father's bloodline that it had continued on to my daughter and now there I still have no clear verification of this but I do have moments and events that took place with my little girl when she was too young for any child to actually realize what they're doing, realize what they what they were what she had done. You know what I mean? She was too way too young. She was too advanced. She could read by the time she was one years old. Six hours after she was born, she was saying her first word, holding her head up. 
she was a big baby when she was born. She weighed eight pounds, nine ounces. To this day, she's still in advanced classes, and her IQ is one of the highest of most children in the United States. So, I, after that, I started getting her back. I had, before, even as an, she was an infant, I would put a protection spell around her when she was asleep or when I was laying her down just to keep her safe from all harms and I've placed numerous ones on her it's like armor covering her and they're all made for my love and my willpower and my intensity to keep her safe and I would always seal the spell and finalize it with a kiss upon her forehead on her third eye. I would do these spells while she slept so that the magic remained hidden unless needed. She was unaware of it, but it was there. I made mistakes. I started to sell drugs in my own mind. Well, before I met my daughter's mother, I had, I had, I had unintentionally did a spell to bring her mother to me. For us to meet, I, I wanted to start a family, and I felt it was time inside that for me to start a family. So I prayed to my goddess for six months straight to bring me someone, a woman that was beautiful and all the things that my daughter's mother is. And then I started to have visions of her. I saw her three months in my dreams prior to me meeting her. When I met her, I knew instantly that we were going to be together. Uh, but our breakup was not something I saw or wanted. But I started to make mistakes because of the little breakup. I wanted to give my little girl a life that I never had, even though I worked a job that was paying really good for that time. At that time, I was making $18 an hour working for a place called Precision Roller Bearing, and my, my job was to run and operate the production line and, and pretty much manage a crew to work the production line to build train bearings. I had been there going on five years. But to increase my profits and my financial gain to give my daughter the life I thought she needed, I chose to sell drugs. It was I was good at it. See, I'm ex-military, and the, while in the military, I did multiple tours, and these multiple tours created some kind of like adrenaline rush from the chaos. And I literally started to miss it. I'd been out for a few years when me and her, my daughter's mother split up. And I sought that out. So dealing drugs brought some of that chaotic lifestyle back into my life. Uh, but I felt I needed to do the, to sell drugs. I felt this was the only way possible for me, a person of my standard in society, 
and place in society to be able to financially gain and to give my little girl the life that she deserved. It wasn't even for my own personal gain. It was for her. And I knew I was eventually going to get busted because no person can deal and sell drugs in the United States and not expect to be locked up for it. So I started to stockpile my profits and savings when I was eventually arrested because of a simple mistake that was caused by an argument between me and my brother and a misunderstanding between me and my daughter's mother that led to the incident where I was out that got me arrested instead of what normally had, would have taken place that day. Um, I had stockpiled over $32,000 in four suitcases. Each one held eight grand and I had them stashed in my closet. They remained in the closet until I was incarcerated for about nine months and I finally told my mom about them and that I, because she was fixing to have to leave the state due to the fact that she somehow had got, took over my operations when I went to jail because she was a part of it. But uh, she, I told her to take half it, give it to my daughter's mother. She kept it all and just left the state, sold all my belongings, sold all my vehicles, sold all my homes that I had without even me co-signing anything. It kind of upset me, but I learned that you got to leave stuff like that in the past. You can't hold on to resentments because resentments causes corrosion. The corrosion causes pain, and you can't move on. But I needed to be incarcerated. See, the fates or whoever manipulates reality into what we need to be or where we need to be put me in jail in a way for me to grow i had to be in a place where i was in solidarity i caused i got in a fight a lot and i wasn't put in the hole and i enjoyed it being in the hole it gave me solitude and while in solitude i meditated and i was able to increase and grow my newer psychic abilities Every few years, or every, throughout my life, or every major event or uh, traumatic event, I've had either my abilities change, grow, or completely adapt into something else, but always left a little remnants of the previous psychic ability. What I mean by that is, I, my first abilities was clairvoyance. I could see spirits as clear as I could see a living human but at the same time I could not communicate with these spirits it was like a force field was between us and they sounded like the the teacher from the Charlie Brown uh, Charlie Brown cartoon wah, wah, wah. so I then learned that my spirit guide which I eventually realized who she was could be a um, mediator she could communicate with the spirits and correlate with their saying to me and, I, and so on and so on. But over time, through these mediations with my spirit guide and other spirits, I then learned that it was a manipulation of energy that caused the sound to be heard or not heard. So through 
instinct, I guess, I was able to eventually adapt to where I could manipulate the energy to speak with spirits and understand what they're saying and everything. But then when I hit puberty, I lost that ability. Uh, and I gained other abilities. and But it kept a reminiscent of it. Like when I would interact with spirits, all, I would instantly get cold chills. Like a cat's hair standing on its back. And I then learned to relate that to a spirit being within a close a perimeter of myself. And it happens instantly. And I, like I have no control over it. I will instantly, no matter if it's 120 degrees outside, if a spirit is within 20 feet of me, I will get cold chills within the vicinity of that spirit. Like it's letting me know, like static electricity or... That's about the only thing I can really explain. That, and that, that ability remained. But I can also, after I lost the ability to see them, I could sense their energy through my palms, pretty much. Through, I can feel the energy in the air. Now I can see it. Over time, that was one of the abilities that I developed while incarcerated, was the ability to see energy in auras. But... Back on to the story. I made dumb actions. sort of caught you up on the last part of my story of Rufus, uh, the, the beginning of magic, 
But uh, let's continue on in the story. Well, few about ten years before I met my daughter's mom, I was a young man around the ages. I believe I'd have been around twelve, thirteen years old, and the scenery where I was living at this moment in time would have been the back hills of Kentucky and a place called Jonesville. Now Jonesville was a was a small community filled with naysayers and people who do wrong or or hard workers like mechanics and loggers and all things of that such. Well, I mention this time because of the story that it correlates to. Around the same time, my abilities were going through a change. My powers were. I was losing my clairvoyance ability, but I was gaining so much more. I was becoming an empath. I could sense and feel energies and manipulate them within the air just through sort of it sort of felt like static electricity on the palms of my hand but I've learned to distinguish which energies what some feel differently than others some tickle some burn some and then also distinguish what smells go with it was it sounds see my hearing's always been messed up but I've always been able to have great hearing I've always been able to find my way on a path and track somebody just through honestly I had an instinct I guess but I've never failed on it well at this current time my grandfather had opened up a little general store and a mechanic shop and where my parents had divorced they both me and my brothers didn't live with my father or my mother but they lived close to where we lived with our grandfather and we helped him in the stores and stuff well this is around about the time my brother which is another story I would t- I'm going to tell later on my older brother met the girl that caught that he would fall for that once he lost her his abilities amplified in seeking justice for her. But that's another story for another time. All this time is correlates with it. I know many people don't believe in the paranormal or supernatural or cryptics. But throughout my life, the things I've experienced, I know they exist. All types, all walks of creatures and all types of people and evil and good throughout this world it's like a constant hidden war and this is the year I fell into it me and my older brother we were in the woods about 20 yards from where we lived we noticed there had been people making trails down in these woods for bicycling and for walking for whatever the trail in the woods before you know one evening we were down there and we were making ramps for our bikes to jump and we were standing there talking and all of a sudden I got the coldest chill down my spine 
I mean, I've encountered powerful spirits of all types that would cause me to go into straight cold chills, like the cat, like a hair on the back of a cat, when it gets startled. This code was so strong and so different that it literally froze me to my soul. And my brother saw my eyes start to change. See, I'm very unique in one way. I share a symbiotic relationship with an entity that can be considered either a demon or an angel. Because of this, his name is Tarak. D-E-R-A-K. The only correlation to him that I have found in any documentation is in the Encyclopedia of Demons. He is mentioned in a small part. But Tarak was an angel. Now at the times when Lucifer rose up against God, he chose to fight on neither side. He chose not to raise arms against either of his brothers. And that he did not want nothing to do with this war that was going on in heaven but because of the fact that he chose not to do nothing god cast him out of heaven and, pun and cast him to earth as punishment to stay within this limbo well same reason why he couldn't become a demon the demons felt that he betrayed them their other his other brother angels felt that way my sister, angel, whatever they, they're non-sex, so. <clears throat> well, within his time of being on this earth, my ancestor or my, my, in, not reincarnated, but on the reincarnation of that person, he became a, a, a multiple versions of my being. He's been a part of my soul. Like, any time my soul's been reincarnated, he's been right there, guiding me. Well, this was the first time... This incident was the first time he showed signs of himself within me. When I felt that cold all the way to my bones, I, I can't really relate to what happened. I, all I know, it was like I went into a trance state. It was like I was daydreaming. I remember the code. And then the next thing I know, I'm on top of this man, holding him down, restraining him with strength that is twice the strength that of a child that was my size. And I could see a burning red like a flame within his eyes and it was another demonic presence and this man had been stalking children and people and women within that vicinity of where we lived and stuff within those woods and he had already committed a couple murders that were very brutal but with me and my brother were unaware of this it wasn't me that reacted that was my demon or my angel. I really don't know what to call him. So I, most of the time I call him a demon. Because he got traits and characteristics of a demon. But he's also good. And his whole purpose is with me. And my, my own abilities. 
balances me out like a yin yang symbol. I'm the light, my soul is, and his is the dark, or my dark is balanced out with his light. And it's why I can manipulate dark and white magic at the same time with two different hands. But th at this point, when this happened, with this when I was 12, or I might have even been younger than 12, might have been about 11. My brother correlates the story as this. He said he saw me go stiff. All of a sudden, my eyes narrowed, and he could see one side of my face start to change, change shape. Like, almost in a grotesque way. My one eye went completely dark. Like, it was covered in a black smoke. He said, in a, I, he said that I had said in a voice that was not my own. It was like two voices talking on top of each other. Sort of like this. Stay here. I'll be right back. He said I turned around and within a blink of an eye, I was gone. I guess my demon had tugged me off running in the direction of the presence he felt or at an angle to lure him in to my brother. And once he was with him such a distance, I then tackled him. This man was charged and uh, remains in prison, or I think he might have been executed. I have no clue now of his whereabouts. But I knew that that demon that was inside of him was very pissed off that he encountered my, my being. Just because of the energy and the hatred that rolled off of him as they were loading him up in the paddy wagon. My grandfather asked us what had happened, and that's exactly what my brother told him. I wasn't asked much more about it after that. It wasn't much longer, though, that we had packed up everything and we moved to California. It was once we were in California, and we were in the desert. It seemed like my grandpa was at home in the desert. His Cherokee bloodline seemed to pop out more in the desert. Same within, within all of us. I was very, very grateful that I never sunburned in the summertime, whether it was humid here, heat or dry heat like California, I would tan because of my Cherokee blood. But usually I got more of my German size showing from my mother. But my grandfather then, he would take me on walks, spiritual walks pretty much. He had mastered his own ability to, because within the tribe, he would have took warriors on their spiritual journeys, and that's what he was doing with me and my brothers, even if we didn't know it, he'd do it while we were sleeping, and we'd go and learn how to grow our abilities. I was aware of it, but I do not think my older siblings were. I think they were just thinking they were dreaming. Well... After about a year of practice and stuff, I was able to make my first weapon. My first spiritual weapon from my grandfather. It was a tomahawk that also extended into a sword. It was made of a very hard iron, but lightweight at the same time. My grandfather forged it for me. 
and he blessed it and infused a spirit of a wolf or coyote, some canine, with an I could feel its energy when I held it and over time learned to manipulate it and twist that energy within my own and because of that grow stronger or faster. It came it came also with a headdress like thing uh, of a wolf. It would go over my head and my shoulders. Real wolf fur from a wolf that we had killed in Kentucky. My brother had a similar outfit, but his was made of what it looked like feathers from a crow or something like that. My other brother's was more of like a the height of a, a bull because he was big in size and he was a berserker bloodline. We all had a unique gifts that were our own. Me and my second to oldest brother, our abilities were more closer to each other than the others because we both shared a symbiotic relationship with an entity and had our own abilities on top of their abilities. Well, what was I going to say? There was something I was getting to. We lived down in the desert. I mean, literally, our closest neighbor was 25 miles away. And, unfortunately, there are people that go out there in the desert. False practitioners or just ignorant dummies thinking that they can pray to the devil. And do sacrifices and there's no consequences of what the disasters come from it. And some of these people are just straight evil and will kill anybody. Well, unfortunately, uh, I can only call them a pack of worshippers. The Devil's Eye Drop or some shit. Like they had a weird name. They were a gang that had caused mass chaos across Southern California at the time. But, uh, one day, me and my grandfather and my older brothers, when my uncle was, I believe, we were all out there working in the garage when we hear the sound of motorcycles coming down our dirt road. My grandpa, he's always had a sixth sense about people. He could read them like I could. He instantly know if they're good or bad and if they were messed up. And uh, me and him both started getting sick feeling to our stomach that something bad was going to happen before we heard the sight of the bikes. Well, my grandfather was one of those people who was a survivalist. He had guns and weapons of all types stashed in all different places just in case some shit like this happened because he's had his run-ins with all kind of creatures throughout his life. And he just is one that does not take chances. And he is one that just always prepared I've learned to be like that today if you come into my home it looks like a normal apartment but throughout my home I have stock stashes of weaponry or of all types for all type of things where I have demon traps or angel traps I have all kinds of stuff placed out around my home as protection the military also taught me that as well Secure your fob <laughs> in a way. But uh 
as the boxer came down, we started to hear him. My grandfather told me to go grab a twenty-two, one of the twenty-two rifles that they kept in the back of the shop and crawl up onto the roof of the garage just in case and be ready in case they try to do anything. Don't hesitate to shoot them. But don't shoot to kill, shoot to hurt. So if I was focused and I stayed calm, I could easily shoot one in the kneecap or shoot one in the foot or something like that. Just to show them that we meant business. My one brother, Bo, he is bigger than a normal man. He's my oldest brother. He ain't the smartest guy, but he is very, very strong. This man, he is a monster, and he's quick to fight. He's quick to anger at times, especially then in the time. And at this point in time, I think he was around the age of 17. And uh, he was going through like a life crisis. He was starting to dwindle with drugs and gangs and all kind of crap. He had lost a friend due to a police chase. And uh, that caused him to go through like a sad moment. But he, if anybody was to try to harm my grandpa or any of his family, my brother became the worst and most brutal person to get to get away from. But his abilities, uh, of course, didn't wake, uh, didn't truly awake until he was almost killed in a fight. But back to the story. They pull in these things. They're wearing a vest that has a demon or a devil popped on it. And my demon, Tarak, he's whispering in my ear. I'm thinking these are my own thoughts at this point. I didn't learn for another couple of years when he finally revealed himself to me. And we made a pack of what he was. I, and I would hear his voice thinking it was my own. And within my mind. But he says, they mean business. They're here to hurt somebody. Don't hesitate. That's all he says. And it's repeating. Well, my grandfather is quick with knives. And I could already tell when he walked out from his garage. From the way he was walking and my two brothers were walking, they were all packing. My grandfather had a knife already pulled out in his pocket, out in his hand, with his arm behind his back. My other brother was standing there up against the truck, with his one side facing him, and a, he had a pistol tucked down beside his side. And my other brother, he clearly had one on him, but did not care to hesitate to not show it. And my uncle was only a ways away, and he was watching the whole situation. My grandfather walked up to the man who got off the bike first and said, Hell, may I help you, buddy? The guy looked at my grandfather with a sick, sickening look. Like he did not give a fuck about life or anything about it, you know? That kind of look. It made me just want to put him down right then. I knew he was, oh, he was dangerous. I could feel it. I noticed that my uncle was acting some kind of like way he was acting iffy about something like he knew why the man was there or something like that kind of find out my uncle had got a loan from this man and had not paid him back yet and he was like the 
loan shark of the neighborhood where my grandfather, where my uncle had been living in Barstow. And uh, I guess they thought they can come out here and hurt my uncle. Big mistake. Big, big mistake. My grandmother, I could see her already in the doorway with the 12-gauge pump. As well as my other cousin probably was in the other bedroom with a gun. We were ready. I mean, we always were. We always... That was my, where my family is. They were going to be stuck in a situation where they couldn't defend themselves. Well, I knew as soon as my grandfather gave the signal, my, my job was to shoot. The man raised his voice towards my grandfather and said, Your son there owes me money, and we've come to collect. My grandfather stayed very calm and collected. That's how you know if a man means business or not. He says, I, I understand your dilemma there, sir, but uh, that's my son. Whatever he owes you, I'm sure he'll get to you in time. And just give him a little bit. He'll make up whatever he owes you for. The man started getting hostile. That's when my, my oldest brother stepped around in front of my grandfather. He goes, man. He's my grandpa's being nice right now. I'm going to let you know if you raise your voice towards him one more time. I'm going to rip your jaw right off your face. Here's what my older brother told him. And the man, you can see the fear in his eyes because my brother is not a small man. I, I will repeat, not a small man. He stood about six foot seven and he was pure muscle. It was something terrifying to behold. And, uh, the man I could tell was already thinking that my brother was going to come after him. My grandfather placed his hand on my brother's shoulder and said, Calm down, Bo. And Bo stepped back beside my grandpa, and my grandfather continued, You gentlemen are more than welcome to rest for a moment. Cause I know how hard it is to ride a motorcycle and stuff and stay out there. But if you seek to harm my family, nobody will find you in this desert once we're done with you. So you got 10 minutes to pack it up and go wherever the hell you came from. And then the, when my grandfather said this, the man sort of got pissed. He said, I don't take no orders from no one, old man. And your son owes, and he will pay what comes due. That's when he started towards my grandfather, and I could tell then he had a weapon in his hand. Well, that voice in my head, which I thought was my own, said, take the shot. Shoot him. He's going to hurt him. Shoot him. So within seconds, I shot the man in the kneecap, instantly bringing him down. And this shot stopped the rest of them in their tracks. My grandfather told him, grab your friend and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but that wasn't the end of it. They got they left right then. It was late that night that within our perimeter, our uh, vicinity of our home and our property, my grandfather and me had placed rune stones 
and we could feel if somebody crossed our perimeter animal or human. And if they see harm upon our animals or our people or our family. Welcome back from the break. So I sort of caught you up on the last part of my story of Rufus. Uh, the the beginning of magic. But uh, let's continue on in the story. Well, few, about ten years before I met my daughter's mom. I was a young man around the ages. I believe I would have been around 12, 13 years old. And... The scenery where I was living at this moment in time would have been the back hills of Kentucky and a place called Jonesville. Now, Jonesville was a was a small community filled with naysayers and people who do wrong or or hard workers like mechanics and loggers and all things of that such. Well. I mention this time because of the story that it correlates to. Around the same time, my abilities were going through a change. My powers were. I was losing my clairvoyance ability, but I was gaining so much more. I was becoming an empath. I could sense and feel energies and manipulate them within the air just through... Sort of, it sort of felt like static electricity on the palms of my hand. But I've learned to distinguish which energy is what. Some feel differently than others. Some tickle, some burn, some. And then also distinguish what smells go with it. Was it sounds? See, my hearing's always been messed up. But I've always been able to have great hearing. I've always been able to find my way on a path and track somebody. Just through, honestly, I had an instinct, I guess, but I've never failed on it. Well, at this current time, my grandfather had opened up a little general store and a mechanic shop. And where my parents had divorced, they both, me and my brothers didn't live with my father or my mother, but they lived close to where we lived with our grandfather. And we helped him in the stores and stuff. Well, this is around about the time my brother, which is another story I would t- I'm going to tell later on. My older brother met the girl that caught that he would fall for. That once he lost her, his abilities amplified in seeking justice for her. But that's another story for another time. All this time is correlation with it. I know many people don't believe in the paranormal or supernatural or cryptics. But throughout my life, the things I've experienced, I know they exist. All types, all walks of creatures and all types of people and evil and good throughout this world. It's like a constant hidden war and this is the year I fell into it me and my older brother we were in the woods 
about 20 yards from where we lived. We noticed there had been people making trails down in these woods for bicycling and for walking or for pretty whatever the trail in the woods before, you know. One evening we were down there and we were making ramps for our bikes to jump. And we were standing there talking and all of a sudden I got the coldest chill down my spine. I mean, I've encountered powerful spirits of all types that would cause me to go into straight cold chills like the cat, like a hair on the back of a cat when it gets startled. This code was so strong and so different that it literally froze me to my soul. And my brother saw my eyes start to change. See, I'm very unique in one way. I share a symbiotic relationship with an entity that can be considered either a demon or an angel. Because of this, his name is Tarak. T-E-R-A-K. The only correlation to him that I have found in any documentation is in the Encyclopedia of Demons. He is mentioned in a small part. But Tarak was an angel. Now at the times when Lucifer rose up against God, he chose to fight on neither side. He chose not to raise arms against either of his brothers. And that he did not want nothing to do with this war that was going on in heaven but because of the fact that he chose not to do nothing god cast him out of heaven and, pun and cast him to earth as punishment to stay within this limbo well same reason why he couldn't become a demon the demons felt that he betrayed them their other his other brother angels felt that way my sister angel, whatever they, they're non-sex, so. <clears throat> well, within his time of being on this earth, my ancestor or my, my, not reincarnated, but on the reincarnation of that person, he became of multiple versions of my being. He's been a part of my soul. Like, anytime my soul's been reincarnated, he's been right there, guiding me. Well, this was the first time... This incident was the first time he showed signs of himself within me. When I felt that code all the way to my bones, I, I can't really relate to what happened. I, all I know, it was like I went into a trance state. It was like I was daydreaming. I remember the code. And then. The next thing I know. I'm on top of this man. Holding him down. Restraining him with strength. That is twice the strength. That of a child. That was my size. And I could see. A burning. Red like a flame within his eyes and it was another demonic presence and this man had been stalking children and people and women within that vicinity of where we lived and stuff within those woods and he had already committed 
a couple murders that were very brutal. But we, me and my brother were unaware of this. It wasn't me that reacted. That was my demon. Or my angel. I really don't know what to call him. So I, most of the time I call him a demon. Because he got traits and characteristics of a demon. But he's also good. And his whole purpose is with me. And my, my own abilities. Balances me out like a yin yang symbol. I'm the light. My soul is and his is the dark. Or my dark is balanced out with his light. And it's why I can manipulate dark and white magic at the same time. With two different hands. But th at this point when this happened. With this, when I was 12. Or I might have even been younger than 12. Might have been about 11. My brother correlates the story as this. He said he saw me go stiff. All of a sudden my eyes narrowed. And he could see one side of my face start to change shape. Like almost in a grotesque way. My one eye went completely dark. Like it was covered in a black smoke. He said, in a, I, he said that I had said in a voice that was not my own. And it was like two voices talking on top of each other. Sort of like this. Stay here. I'll be right back. He said I turned around and within a blink of an eye, I was gone. I guess my demon had took me off running in the direction of the presence he felt. Or at an angle to lure him in to my brother. And once he was within such a distance, I then tackled him. This man was charged and uh, remains in prison. Or I think he might have been executed. I have no clue now of his whereabouts. But I knew that that demon that was inside of him was very pissed off that he encountered my my being just because of the energy and the hatred that rolled off of him as they were loading him up in the paddy wagon my grandfather asked us what had happened and that's exactly what my brother told him i wasn't asked much more about it after that it wasn't much longer though that we had packed up everything and we moved to california it was once we were in california and we were in the desert. It seemed like my grandpa was at home in the desert. His Cherokee bloodline seemed to pop out more in the desert. Same within, within all of us. I was very, very grateful that I never sunburned. In the summertime, whether it was humid here, he or dry heat like California, I would tan because of my Cherokee blood. But... Usually I got more of my German size showing from my mother. But my grandfather then, he would take me on walks, spiritual walks pretty much. He had mastered his own ability to, because within the tribe he would have took warriors on their spiritual journeys. And that's what he was doing with me and my brothers, even if we didn't know it. He'd do it while we were sleeping and we'd go and learn how to grow our abilities. I was aware of it. But I do not think my older siblings were. I think they were just thinking they were dreaming. Well, 
after about a year of practice and stuff, I was able to make my first weapon. My first spiritual weapon from my grandfather. It was a tomahawk that also extended into a sword. It was made of a very hard iron, but lightweight at the same time. My grandfather forged it for me. And he blessed it and infused a spirit of a wolf or a coyote, some canine, within I could feel its energy when I held it and over time learned to manipulate it and twist that energy within my own. And because of that, grow stronger or faster. It came. It came also with a headdress like thing uh, of a wolf. It would go over my head and my shoulders. Real wolf fur from a wolf that we had killed in Kentucky. My brother had a similar outfit, but his was made of what looked like feathers from a crow or something like that. My other brother's was more of like a the hide of a, a bull because he was big in size and he was a berserker bloodline. We all had a unique gifts that were our own. Me and my second to oldest brother, our abilities were more closer to each other than the others because we both shared a symbiotic relationship with an entity and had our own abilities on top of their abilities. Well, what was I going to say? There was something I was getting to. We lived down in the desert. I mean, literally, our closest neighbor was 25 miles away. And, unfortunately, there are people that go out there in the desert. False practitioners or just ignorant dummies thinking that they can pray to the devil. And do sacrifices and there's no consequences of what the disasters come from it. And some of these people are just straight evil and will kill anybody. Well, unfortunately, uh, I can only call them a pack of worshippers. The Devil's Eye Drop or some shit. Like they had a weird name. They were a gang that had caused mass chaos across Southern California at the time. But, uh, one day, me and my grandfather and my older brothers, and my uncle, was, I believe, we were all out there working in the garage when we hear the sound of motorcycles coming down our dirt road. My grandpa, he's always had a sixth sense about people. He could read them like I could. He instantly know if they're good or bad and if they're messed up. And, uh, me and him both started getting sick feeling to our stomach like something bad was going to happen before we heard the bikes. Well, my grandfather was one of those people who was a survivalist. He had guns and weapons of all types stashed in all different places just in case some shit like this happened because he's had his run-ins with all kinds of creatures throughout his life. And he just is one that does not take chances. And he is one that just always prepared I've learned to be like that today. If you come into my home, it looks like a normal apartment. But throughout my home, I have stuff 
stashes of weaponry or of all types for all type of things where I have demon traps or angel traps. I have all kinds of stuff placed out around my home as protection. The military also taught me that as well. Secure your fob. <laughs> in a way. But, uh, as the box came down, we started to hear them. My grandfather told me to go grab a twenty-two, one of the twenty-two rifles that they kept in the back of the shop and crawl up onto the roof of the garage just in case and be ready in case they try to do anything don't hesitate to shoot them but don't shoot to kill shoot to hurt so if I was focused and I stayed calm I could easily shoot one in the kneecap or shoot one in the foot or something like that just to show them that we meant business my one brother, Bo, he is bigger than a normal man. He's my oldest brother. He ain't the smartest guy, but he is very, very strong. This man, he is a monster, and he's quick to fight. He's quick to anger at times, especially then in the time. And at this point in time, I think he was around the age of 17. And uh, he was going through like a life crisis. He was starting to dwindle with drugs and gangs and all kind of crap. He had lost a friend due to a police chase. 